Are you new to coaching? Starting out as a coach can be incredibly overwhelming, especially when you aren't given much direction from your administration. That's why I created the New Coaches Playbook. It includes a roadmap to help you start building your coaching foundation and a guide to seven podcast episodes in order that will give you the steps and ideas you need to build relationships, define your role, communicate with your admin, and make a plan to start coaching. Coach, what's your instructional coaching personality type? Have you ever wondered what superpowers make you a really strong coach? and what areas you can strengthen with just a little bit of direction? Well, now you can find out. I created the What's Your Instructional Coaching Personality Type Quiz to help you answer this very question. Just head to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q to take the two-minute quiz and get your coaching personality type sent right to your inbox. Even better, you'll get a playlist of podcast episodes handpicked just for you to help you hone your superpowers and strengthen your areas of growth. I'm so excited to share this quiz with you, so don't wait to take it. Go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash quiz with a capital Q and learn so much about your coaching style. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey, coach, and welcome to episode 129. Today, we are having a coaching classroom management and behavior coaching call. And this is with our guest coach, Brandy Brown. This is the next to last episode of this season. Can you believe it? All month, we've been talking about coaching classroom management and supporting positive behaviors in the classroom. We've talked about tools that we can use with teachers, you know, how we can help them identify what's happening in their classrooms and figure out exactly how to create positive change in some of the challenging student behaviors, especially those we've seen over the last couple of years. But I know firsthand exactly how challenging it can be to help a teacher really change the way their classroom works. That's why I scheduled a coaching call today with a coach in the field about this topic. We're talking about how we can coach classroom and behavior management and problem solving around some of the challenges that she's facing in her coaching work. So let's welcome Brandy to the podcast. Welcome, Brandy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today because this is a nice opportunity for other coaches to kind of listen in and hopefully get some ideas that will um, support them in some of the issues that they're having too. Because if you're having an issue, you're not the only one for sure. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and your coaching work so we can get to know you and your role? Sure. Um, Again, my name is Brandy Brown. I'm an academic coach. Um, in Georgia. This is my sixth year coaching. Um, I started my career as a math coach predominantly um, and did that for two years and have turned into a K2 math and ELA coach and kind of everything coach. Um, And, you know, spent a lot of time with my teachers and classes with students. Um, But now, like I said, I predominantly support K through two. So. Okay, great. Um, So, 
you had mentioned that, you know, the topic of this, this whole month really is about coaching classroom management and behavior. And you wanted to share a little bit about some of the challenges that you were having. So we could do some problem solving around those. Would you like to talk a little bit about what you're seeing? Absolutely. So, you know, we've been going through COVID for the last few years. um, And my district, you know, a few years ago started all virtual, then we went half face-to-face, half virtual. And last year we were back full in the classroom. And, um, you know, I coached a lot with content, but we hadn't experienced as much with behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I had grade levels that I support where we were having kids, you know, in multiple classrooms, ending up in the principal's office or the, you know, assistant principal's office. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a coach, I'm, used to always going at it from the academic standpoint of like, okay, let's talk about math, let's talk about ELA, Mm -hmm. Um, but hadn't really spent as much time working on how to coach people through behavior management and how to deal with, you know, students that they may find difficult. So um, that's kind of a little bit of a background of what's going on. Yeah, I can totally relate to that because as a new coach, and I'm not getting this feeling from you, I actually was stressed out whenever I thought about coaching classroom management because it completely, I was like, how am I going to, I feel like management comes from the way you see teaching and, and your philosophy and absolutely, it's like so much is embedded in there. It's the way that you were raised and the way that you were parented and the way that you parent and the way that you interact with people and your philosophy on children and development. And it's just like, Oh, how am I even going to address all of that? whenever what I'm seeing is, is detrimental to kids or whenever it's just maybe not as productive as it could be. And I know that we could find better ways of doing things that would reach more kids. So it's, it's a, like, I remember actively being like, Ugh, whenever I was asked to do support <laughs> in that area, just feeling like, Oh, what am I going to, Oh, I this is a horrible feeling. Um, so I can totally relate to that feeling of focusing on the academics and being more comfortable with that. Absolutely. Right. Right. So what kinds of behaviors are you seeing in the classroom and are teachers aware of these behaviors? So (laughs) that's a loaded question. Yeah. So the behaviors I'm seeing, you know, are, you know, teachers are teaching and we're in in front of the room giving many lessons, Mm -hmm. you know, children are talking over each other. Um, You know, kids are saying, no, I'm not going to do that and walking away and going other places. Um, or when it's time to do, you know, independent work, they are not doing anything and, you know, going to bother other kids. Um, and, you know, to me, that's, that seems like typical behavior. And I'm like, I feel like you, I feel like, you know, managing behavior comes from, you know, how you are as a teacher and, but sitting down with teachers and getting them to like reflect on whether they actually realize it has varied. So, you know, I have newer teachers that don't even realize that it's happening. It's like, they're still teaching. And I'm like, um, they're talking. And then I have teachers that I'm sitting down with, you know, and having what I consider to be a tough conversation about, so I know that you see it. You know, where do you think it's coming from? Um, you know, what things do you think that we can do to kind of, you know, hone the decision? And I don't know, you know, coming out of covid I know that people are tired and exhausted. There was a lot of changes, um, but I think I struggled getting through. Um, it was a lot of, it wasn't as reflective as I would have hoped it would have been. That's a better way to put it. So was it more like blaming? Or... Definitely more blaming, okay. more, you know, 
but but they just act up everywhere or you know never I think when I think about myself as a teacher I think about the fact that you know if my kids are misbehaving I'm always like what do I need to change what do I need to do but I don't necessarily feel like in some of the conversations that I had that that ever dawned it wasn't like it was like I feel like I'm doing everything that I can do and I'm like well maybe there's something else we can think about doing so there was a lot of blaming going on yeah, maybe it's not so much about how much more we can do. It's about what we can do differently. It's not right. necessarily, oh, I'm doing everything possible. I can't possibly do one more thing. That probably is true. What can you do instead? You know, sometimes doing less is more. Um, <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> so maybe we're doing right. much that is like overwhelming everybody in the room. So it's a real challenge when teachers don't see it. And it's, a, I mean, I, to me, that honestly is like a bigger challenge because helping teachers actually be aware of what's going on in their classroom whenever whether they're new or not because I've worked with experienced teachers who did not seem to notice mm-hmm. student behaviors or those who just maybe they thought that was fine and they didn't realize that kids were not actually learning during that time I can remember talking with one teacher one year and and she told me she said well I don't want them to be little robots and I said no well nobody wants them to be little robots but they're not listening to you Right, you want right. Though, right. You want to learn. Right. And she just didn't see that. She thought that any kind of behavior pro or any kind of a behavior approach was going to require her kids to be like falling in step and, you know, everybody turning the page at the same time, you know, like a creepy futuristic, you know, dystopia <laughs> or something. So that was definitely a challenge. And so, so one of the things that might work with the teachers who do not see it, and I know these are two different issues, the teachers who do not see it, maybe video coaching might be a way for them to become more aware. Is that something that you've already tried a little bit? It's not something I've tried. Um, It's something I'm hoping to try this year. I just need a little bit more openness towards it. Um, Everybody doesn't want to be videoed, um, but we're definitely pushing for that this year. So I wonder if it would be helpful because it's true. People are, you know, I know that COVID went a long way for people to become more comfortable on camera, but depending on how that footage is used, that might depend on how comfortable they are, you know, with it. So, or determine how comfortable they are. So one thing that might be helpful is you could say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to be, you know, don't penguins like stand against the ledge and push one off to see if a shark comes and gets it. So I'll be the penguin that stands on the ledge on the edge of the cliff and you all can push me into the water and see if there's a shark. I'm going to go model. Can I borrow somebody's classroom to model a lesson? And, and do some video coaching myself on my own teaching so that I can go through this process, share my findings with you. We can watch the video together, you know, and go through whatever organizer you're going to use or whatever response questions. And um, maybe that's a way to kind of um, break the ice a little bit and to help people see it, you're not going to see a perfect lesson when you do it because we, right. none of us are ever going to see a perfect lesson. We just, you right. know, there's always going to be something that we're like, Oh, why did I, you know, I would <laughs> and the way that you respond to that can set the tone for the way teachers are supposed to be thinking about their own teaching. Right. That might be a starting point. I think that's awesome. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great way to actually allow myself to be vulnerable too. And, um, get people to be a little bit more open, open with me doing it and trying it myself. So. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good point. Whenever we're like, oh, teachers are, are not being vulnerable. Sometimes we have to go, okay, well, what do I need to, what can I do that will like say, this is okay to be this way. 
that if they don't want to put themselves out there, sometimes we have to put ourselves out there and it's not always super comfortable. And um, so you might want to start with a grade that you're the most comfortable with, or, you know, <laughs> a classroom that you feel good about um, at the first time. But over time, you know, if you, if you are, if you do this multiple times, you can start putting yourself in more challenging situations. So teachers see sincerely that, you know, I'm not pulling out my perfect lesson that I know is going to work, or I'm not, you know, working only with the kids that are in this, this angelic class. I'm working with real students, trying real things out and seeing how they actually pan out once I go through the lesson and, and having an authentic response to that. That's an awesome idea. Thank you for that. Sure. I hadn't thought about that at all. And, so. you know, it's, um, I feel like this is what I think is the beauty of talking to other coaches. And it was always my favorite thing to do was to call. And some people look at it as like complaining, but I was really trying to figure out what do I do differently? Because we get stuck in our bubble. I know I did where you're just like, you can only see like the walls of your building and you just like get entrenched with the same people. And, you know, it's like, like this, this mill of ideas, the same ideas coming. It's so it can be so draining. And so it helped me so much to call colleagues at other schools or other districts and just be like, well, what do you, what do you do? Or what does that look like? Because it's so hard to think outside of, I feel like our schools are really good at putting up hurdles. Yes. And so yes. it's so hard to think beyond like, oh, well, what am I going to do with all these hurdles? You know? <laughs> That's true. It That's can be true. Crossing. Do you have a coaching partner? Or are you a solo coach on your campus? So I do have a coaching partner. I have okay, a coach that, that um, works with 3-5. And like I said, I work with K2. So mm -hmm. um, we definitely bounce ideas off of each other. And I worked with some newer coaches last year from other schools. And so we've been trying to build our network and start talking more and getting together more to share these same kind of things because we need it so desperately, right? Yes. Yeah, you're so right. And sometimes a district or a central, whatever your, your county, whatever, you know, your language is there, but um, they don't always put things in place for coaches to have authentic dialogue with other coaches. So uh. sometimes just saying, you know, what, we're going to choose, you know, whatever day, the first Tuesday of every month, and we're going to get together and talk or virtually if you have to, but in person is often nice. And, um, and that can be a really good way to build that coaching community. So I love that you're working on that. Thank you. So for students, for the teachers who maybe see the issues, but are saying, well, there's nothing I can do, or I've done what I can do, or, well, this is just how they are. Um, there's a couple things that we can think about to kind of hopefully help them be a little more responsive. First of all, video coaching for sure, and have them look at, okay, well, this is my action and this is a student response. Also, sometimes whenever you see kids in a different class and they are no more amazing, than, I mean, they're just normal children, but that teacher responds very differently. That can open your eyes up to, oh, maybe there is a different way that I can do this. Because like, just like we coaches get stuck in our school bubble, they get stuck in their classroom bubble or their grade level. And um, so if they can have the opportunity to see other teachers, whether that's video or in person, do some um, classroom visits or data walks, whatever you call them. Um, what do you call, what's the, uh, the big push a few years ago was like instructional rounds. Yes. Where well, we're, we're pushing it now still. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, they're, they're actually very good. They so are. maybe having a set of instructional rounds focused on management might be one way to kind of set the stage for everybody. That's a great idea. It's a great idea. It's, I hadn't thought like about we, that. We have this tool and it's like, okay, well, what's the maximum benefit we can reap? If we focus on management at the beginning of the year, then that's going to give you payoff for a while, you know? 
Um, and obviously not like the first two weeks or something like that, but early <laughs> in the year, because <laughs> that's not real time yet. Right. But, <laughs> but um, whenever you really kind of look at, at across the school, what are we seeing? Are you doing instructional rounds where they visit their grade level or are they visiting different grade levels? So we've done both. Okay. So they, and, and to be fair, we haven't done as many in our actual building. We've gone outside of our okay. building more so than being inside, but they've done, you know, same grade level and they've also seen different grade levels. Okay, great. So then now they've had the practice with other schools and you're saying, okay, we're going to bring this home with our own people. Like now we're, we should, we've hopefully developed some of that relationship with each other where we're not so nervous about having each other in the classroom. Um, we're working on developing a community of teachers that learns together and is a true PLC. And this is how we can do it is by getting into each other's rooms and seeing what we have to offer each other. Everybody has these special skills. Everybody has something they do really, really well. Even those teachers that you're like, oh boy, this, this classroom needs, you know, they need a lot of support right now. There's something that they have to bring to the table. Um, even if they have to practice with you first, you know, they can, they can definitely offer their colleagues something. And so, yeah, focusing on, on management and routines, you know, what's in place that is supporting student behavior. How are students reacting to redirection? You might consider, you know, having some very focused documents that that cover the different facets of behavior, including engagement and um, not just compliance, you know, but actual engagement in the content and routines and organizational systems and um, what the behavior is there an apparent behavior plan? What does it look like? You know, how is the classroom design set up to support behavior management? Is there a place for kids to go when they have had it and they are, you know, they know that nothing good is going to happen at that time. So they need a little space or a minute. What do they do? You know, so maybe I'm sure there's something you could find online, some sort of tool that you could find online that's already done. And then you could just modify it to suit your needs. But that might that be, was be my next question. Okay, <laughs> I was yeah. say, where would I get that resource from? You know, that's such a good question. And so now I feel like as soon as I'm done with this call, I need to go hunt something down. Uh, I'm sure there are instructional round tools for that. Or maybe I need to make a resource for that. That might be good too, um, that you could use. I do have, um, I've actually got in my instructional coaching mega pack, but this is more of what, it's like a coaching cycle form, but you could, you could, you could adopt things like this to work for teachers where they, they could tally, you know, like how many, which students are participating or, you know, you can note different things and at different times and do several rounds with it. Um, just to kind of see like, what does a teacher have in place? And, and then having a good dialogue about it afterwards, having some good, really well thought out questions that are very specific to your campus would be helpful because then they get together afterward. And the real value in those instructional rounds is the dialogue we have afterwards with each other where we, Absolutely. oh, I didn't notice that. Or, oh, what did you think that was? Oh, I perceived it this way. Or I know I could apply it this way. So bridging, like, this is what we saw. This is what we think it means. And this is how we can apply it. Great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully that would set like a foundation that everybody would say, okay, this is some, this is an area we can grow in, making it kind of a school-wide focus and telling them, guys, people are having these issues across the country. This is not right. just our school, but, but our school has to figure out how to respond to it. And these are the kids that we have. So what are we going to do? You know, um, we did one year as a campus, you know, we read some research about how, how challenging it is for kids to move from face to face in the school and have all different expectations. And so we did as a campus create an aligned program and it, I mean, it was not perfect, but 
it was a start. It was like a way for teachers to use similar language and for us to reinforce the idea that you have to explicitly teach routines and expectations if you want kids to know what to do. Because people are like, he's 10 years old. He's in fifth grade. He knows what to do. No, they do not. I wish they did. They do not. <laughs> right, right, right. And so do you think something like that? I mean, I know we do PBIS at our school. Um, and I we have like a matrix. Um, mm-hmm. And we do talk about, you know, how that is supposed to transfer into the classroom. But do you think maybe being more intentional about using the same language in those spaces that's on that matrix will be more helpful. Um, Cause I think we may have gotten away from that a little bit. So, yeah, you know, maybe we need a refresher. Yeah, that would be great. So actually then if that's something you already are using, then use that to guide the document that you create. Okay. So it's all tied together. Cause you're saying, Hey, we're going to come back. This is what we believe about, about behavior management. So then we're going to come back and we're going to analyze our classrooms for this and we're going to have discussions around it. And then we're going to do some reteaching. We're going to, you know, one thing that I did, that our team did whenever we were doing those, that behavior program and kind of writing it together is we went through, we created like a document that had all the different um, things that we would look for in terms of our, like, this is what we had had set up. And then we went as a, as a leadership team to the school and we just recorded, do we see it? Do we not? Do we see it? Do we not? and examples, things like that. And then from there, we like calculated percentages and it just keeps it, it wasn't like, oh, 37% of you are not doing whatever. It wasn't anything like that. It was helpful to us to say, okay, this is where we need to focus our PD next. This is where our PLC should be focused. Um, looking at data is another great way to say, look at how many of our kids are ended up ending up in the office. And we know that doesn't change anything. I mean, no. it really doesn't. It, it's often a moment of desperation. The teacher's just like, I cannot, I'm going to lose it if I have to deal. This is, this is affecting other kids. It's affecting the classroom climate. I need this child removed. But it doesn't change anything for that child. And once okay. the child has left the room, they're no longer benefiting from instruction. And they're, they're not developing that relationship with the teacher. And the teacher right. doesn't have power anymore. They had to send it. That's like saying, just wait till dad gets home. Right, right. And I'm like, no, no, I'm mama. I'm the one that you need to be worried about. You know? Right, right. And if you're that. sending multiple of them, then it's, you know, you're losing all of them. And so yes. these are those are definitely good suggestions, um, like lots of them for me to start with. So because I, like you said, I, you know, my coaching background is more academic and no one's ever talked about how to coach management, you know? Um, and it's like, you can't really teach if you can't really manage. So it's exactly, and some coaches have different perspectives on it. You know, some of them are like, well, the management will come along, but I just don't believe that. I I personally feel like it's gotta be, if it's that much of an issue that's impacting learning, which we know it does, it's gotta be a focus, you know? Right. And, and so, you know, maybe having the faculty as you're doing this work together, if you have the, the luxury of making this like a primary focus for your school this year and, you know, coming back to it over several PLCs, maybe having them set some goals around this that they would like to accomplish and then making sure, you know, looking back at their PBIS stuff, all the training that they received prior to this, setting some goals, saying things that they want to work on and get better at and be refreshed on and then addressing those in PLCs over time. So that way that we're honoring what it is that they want to get out of it. And they're saying, well, this is an area that I would like to grow in, you know, um, yeah. 
And if everybody has to contribute something, then, I mean, they've got to write down something they want to grow in. It's a goal that they have to write down. It's not so much like, well, there's nothing else I can do. It's like, well, what are, what can we get better at? I like that. I like, you know, having them come up with a goal um, and making it not be, you know, I tried everything I'm done. Um, and I think my administration with, you know, it being a focus, I definitely think it is because I know my AP and my principal were just like, okay, we got kids in our office all day long. Yes. Um, I definitely feel like this is something that they'll buy into, you know, um, us taking a look at and figuring out how we can work on this within our building. Well, that would be great. And yeah, that's, that's who was really instrumental in us creating our program was our assistant principal. Cause you know, she was the one dealing with it all day. Yeah, of course. I was like, can you put together some data for me? She was like, oh, I already have it. She was like, here you go. Because she had documentation about how many kids she was seeing and where they were coming from and what the infractions were, which was interesting because whenever we looked, we used to always think, oh, what's happening at PE? It's happening at recess. Kids are getting sent to the office of PE and recess. And when we looked at the data, that was not the case. And we were shocked. I was we shocked. definitely look, need to look at the data because I think in our minds, we all feel that way. It's happening at specials. It's happening right. at music. But I, I'm pretty sure our data probably will indicate something else as well. So it could. yeah, you won't know until you look at it, but it would right. be good to know. Like it's interesting. It was, it was surprising to me um, to see. And it's also really helpful to break that data down by like race and ethnicity, mm -hmm. by gender, because, you know, we see patterns of certain kids, certain races, certain ethnicities being sent to the office over and over, like at a disproportionate amount right. you know, to their mm -hmm. peers. And so if that's what's happening, that's a whole other thing that you're going to want to address as well, it, which is about like understanding, you know, how kids maybe represent different things in different ways when they come to school. There's actually an episode on this podcast that is, it came out when this episode comes out, it will have come out just a few episodes prior about anti-racist behavior management, where I interview someone who's an expert in that field, because um, that's a whole other underlying issue that sometimes we don't address. That's awesome. And that's a good point. Huh. Wow. Thank you. You've given me lots to think about. <laughs> lots to ponder. It's easy to talk about and hard to do, but, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, but, um, but I'm glad that you feel like some of these ideas might work out for you. Um, how do you think, what kinds of things do you think might benefit your teachers the most out of what we've, we've talked about? What do you see them saying? Oh, okay. You know, that, that could make a difference for me. I definitely think the video coaching is, is a good direction. I do feel, depending on the teacher, I may need to be the person that's modeling the video coaching and what that looks like. Um, I, I really love the instructional rounds. Our district is having a big focus on it, but you know, looking at it through the lens of behavior management um, for our school would probably be more appropriate at this time. Um, and I think that that's something that we could maybe not easy, easy, but e more easily um, put together um, and start looking at things. And I like the idea of just coming up with something that's like, either we see it or we don't, you know, based off of the PBIF matrix we already have in place, you know, are we seeing these things or are we not? Um, and maybe, you know, talking to that committee too about, you know, meeting with them myself or, you know, our admin team, because we meet with them anyway, and just kind of talking through some of this, because I think, you know, sometimes with PBIS, it's like we have it, but we don't always use it. And that's the whole point is for us to be using it, right, to have that positive behavior. Um, so those are some of the things that I'm thinking off the top of my head are really going to um, give us a uh, bang for our buck, should I say. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. That's great. You know, making it a, a clear focus will just kind of change the way people think about it. It takes time. Cause at first people are like, Oh, like what else do they expect us to do? You know, <laughs> but, um, but over time, if they see some benefit from it, hopefully you'll get a good response. If they start seeing something change or even just the, the way they thought about it changes, then hopefully you'll start to see people be more interested in figuring out what they could do differently to support kids. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I could totally see that happening. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, that makes me so happy. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we wrap up? Um, I guess I'm also interested just a little bit about, you know, when you make suggestions or if you're talking to someone and having a conversation, um, I get a lot of like, what do you think? You know, what should I try um, from some people? And I may make suggestions of things that I've either used in the past or that I know about some things I haven't used. Um, but, you know, if people are not receptive to that, um, they're asking you, they're not receptive, they don't really try anything else. How do you move forward from that? Um, you know, it's, I, I, I'm like, you, something has to be in place. Like, we have to figure something out. Do I take them back to like, okay, then let's work on your rituals and routines then. You know, I'm just, I think I get kind of stuck there. Is it that they say, well, what would you do? And you say, well, we can try this. And they go, no, that's not going to work. Or no, nah, I've already done that. Is that kind of what's happening? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, one thing that sometimes helps is if they go visit another classroom and they see it in action in that other classroom, because sometimes hearing it from me, they think they know what I'm saying, but they don't necessarily know how it's different than what they're doing. And so it's hard to un like visualize it. So sometimes if they go to like, you know, who's really good at that. If they say, well, I don't know what else to do. You say, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I was visiting Mr. So-and-so's classroom and he's got a really cool such and such set up, you know, whatever it is, that, um, that maybe this would actually help you in this area. I can set up a visit for you and then just like go with it, you know, just kind of make it like not really a question. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? I love that. Okay. You. Let's find a good time. I'll go talk to him. We'll get it all set up. And so that's one way to kind of get them to open their doors and, and get out of their heads a little bit. Cause it's, it's easy to be like, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Not gonna, whenever you feel so frustrated. But well, I like, so I, I also like the part of like, not really asking them and kind of like being like, yeah, I'm going to set it up. We're going to go like that. <laughs> Need yeah. more of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I have learned that, that kind of like, it's not, you're not being pushy. You're being like, if you have a problem, this is what I can do to help you. So we're going to do it. You know, <laughs> this is the best I can do for you. Uh, you want, you had a problem. Let's figure this out. And that way it's kind of like, um, like this positive force, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen, um, that, that phrase firm demander. Uh-huh. Yes, it, I have. Yes, it I have. Kind of reminds me of that. Like we say firm demanders with teachers at somebody who says you can do this and you're going to do it. And I'm going to help you do it. You know, and it's kind of the same way as a coach. It's sometimes people are just stuck and they need a firm demander to be like, we can do this. Let's go do it. Let's do it right now. <laughs> Thank you. Cause that's definitely an error where I'm like, you asked me my opinion and I shared it. And then you're kind of like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah. Let me think of something else. No. Yeah, exactly. Okay. How many ideas am I supposed to come up with here? You're telling me you don't have any more ideas, but I'm supposed to come up with 50. You could choose your favorite one. It's right. not right. realistic. It's a lot. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So the other thing you could do, same, same philosophy is you could say, you know, I have an idea of something, but maybe I can model it for you. Let's set up a day and then just jump right into that. 
So if they're asking, well, what would you do? You could say, well, let's try something else. Let's do this on Tuesday. Like just kind of like push right into it and um, then use that as an opportunity to get into the classroom or to get them into somebody else's room to start to kind of open those doors and try new things. I love that. Thank you so much. That's, these are very, 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 very helpful. Yeah. Um, major struggles for me. So um, just real growth area as far as coaching goes. So, you know, you, I mean, you're not alone. Just remember that there's, <laughs> I, I, I have been there. I have been equally like stressed out. And the, in the next episode that comes out after this one, I'm actually sharing a behavior management plan that I used whenever I would model in classrooms that didn't have a plan that I made out of sheer desperation because I was like, oh, awesome. I need something. This is not working. I'm going into rooms to model lessons. It's chaos. Nothing is in place. The teacher is handling behavior by yelling at kids. They're not paying attention to the lesson. Neither are the students. This is not working. So I created this really simple behavior plan that I would go into classrooms when I would model and co-teach. And I would say, you know, during the pre-conference, Hey, can I introduce this? Um, if they didn't have anything else in place, you know, right. and they usually say, yeah, sure. Knock yourself out or well, sure. Let's, let's see how you do, you know, cause sometimes it's a little bit of a challenge <laughs> yeah. and every time I used it, I'm not, I mean, it wasn't hundred percent effective. Nothing is, but it was, it was pretty good <laughs> considering the challenges that were in, were happening. And it made a huge difference in the way that I interacted whenever I was modeling and co-teaching and the way that I was able to share with the teacher, look, we can try different things. We can try something. This is a thing that I tried and this is how it went. And so many times the teacher would take that and implement it themselves. Okay. So that's, so if you are still seeing a lot of resistance, but you're going into model for other things, you can always say, Hey, you know, I know that that classroom management has been a challenge would you mind if I tried this out with the kids while I'm in there and you can just try something out and, you know, if they love it, they'll embrace it and they'll keep using it if it works. So this, I guess this is my last question and, and it's related to behavior of students when they're with, when I'm modeling and I'm doing the lesson versus when it's their teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other, I guess, um, resistance I have is like, but when you come in, they're this way, you know, they're not, um, and it's because you're so exciting and like you're, you know, a visitor and you're a guest. And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, but it's also like there's an understanding of what they need to do because I'm very clear about what my expectations are. How, how do you, how do I combat that? I mean, because I, I recognize that they're not me and I'm not them. And typically kids are more well behaved for me in, in situations than they are when I'm modeling than they are for their teacher. So I, I don't, but I don't know if that's because I'm me, I don't think it is, or if it's just because they are clear about what my expectations are on my routines and rituals. It's so funny. I just recorded the next episode <laughs> of the podcast, which is, and that is, I've said that verbatim in the episode. Okay. I'm not okay. kidding you because I had that same exact conversation with a teacher where after the lesson, I said, well, what did you think? She'd go, well, they were better, but it's because you were here and you know, you're like a guest teacher. And I was like, they were better because I really explicitly did that. Like I was, I made a okay. of, you know, but it was, I was like, shoot, I missed my opportunity, you know? So then what I started doing is during the pre-conference, I would say, this is what I'm going to do to focus on engagement and behavior. And I would okay. introduce it during the pre-conference. So they knew, even if they still thought it went better because it was a guest or whatever, at least they knew I was purposefully doing something to make that happen. It wasn't just magic that it just worked out. I mean, there's, I was explicitly saying, these are the expectations for today. 
this is how you're going to know if you're doing it. This is what it looks like. And this is how I'm going to say, hey, good job, team three, for doing whatever. Like, I'm going to explicitly introduce it during the lesson and I'm going to point it out as they are doing it throughout the lesson. That's going to be one of the things I'm going to be aware of. And I want the teacher to know that I'm aware of that before the lesson starts. Because once it's over, it's like they can never go back and understand that you did that on purpose. That's, that's great. Okay. That <laughs> I So cover that in the pre-conference. Yeah. Um, on the front end yeah. so that you're not receiving <laughs> what I call flash, you know, flashback on the back end, you know? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. At, at that point, they're like, well, sure. I mean, you did that, but that was going to, but it seems, they seem to respond better whenever you front load it and say, okay, we planned out our lesson, but one major component of teaching is management. Do you have a management system you want me to use? Do you want to handle behavior or do you want me to introduce something brief that I can use while I'm modeling? And that way they, they have the opportunity to say, oh, I'll handle it or, um, okay, yeah, introduce whatever you want. Knock yourself out. Most of the time they're like, if, if there's no behavior issues, if they have that amazing management, they're like, oh, I'll handle it. It's no big deal. And it's usually not a big deal. And if there are behavior issues or if they feel like it could be better, they all, they will always say, yeah, I would like to see what you do. Okay. And then they know you're doing it on purpose. Okay. Okay. That's. That's a biggie. That's a biggie for me, for sure. So thank you so much, because I wasn't really sure how to address that. And I, I get it so often. And it's one of the reasons why I'm modeling. Sometimes I'm like, I'd rather just try to co-teach with you instead or, mm-hmm. you know, observe, even though I'd rather co-teach just because when I model, I get the, they're so good for you. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I'm very clear about what I'm doing and what I expect for them to do. And they know it. So Yes, I can totally understand that. And I even used it when co-teaching in classrooms that didn't have a good behavior plan set up, that didn't have, that everything was crazy, that everything was like chaos. I would, I would say, can, do you want to introduce this with me? This is what I'm, you know, this is how we can do this. Because sometimes co-teaching even, That's you're like, true. who's responsible for what? It, it can be very hazy and it used to stress me out a lot. So then I would, we would make a call, a three column chart of this is what's happening during the lesson. This is what you're doing. And this is what I'm doing. And then at that time, and then we'd also talk explicitly about what behavior management would look like during that lesson. I love that. Okay. Thank you for sharing these tools with me. I've, I'm finding a lot tonight. I'm, I'm so happy. That makes me <laughs> super happy to hear that. Learning a lot tonight. Well, I think for me, that was, those are where my major struggles. And I feel like you've given me lots of great ideas of things to try, even just, um, your conversation, the words that you use, the way that you say things. Um, I definitely feel like that's an area that I can definitely improve in as well to maybe, like you said, be that firm demander and get them, you know, kind of push them in the direction. Um, I've gotten a little soft, I think, over the years. I'm a little softer than I used to be. And I I tend to not want to hurt people's feelings. Um, But, you know, sometimes we have to get uncomfortable to grow. So. Oh my gosh, that right there is the that should be like the tagline for this episode. <laughs> That's such a good thing. It's so true. And it's hard to do it. And of course you don't want to hurt people's feelings, but we also, like you see, we get softer because we know how people react to things. Right. But if nobody reacts to anything we say, then we also can't make an impact. So it's kind of like, ugh, you're always fighting. You're always like on the, um, on a tightrope as a coach. Definitely. Definitely walking that very, very tiny line. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that you got some ideas out of today and thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you. I absolutely loved my conversation with Brandy. That was so great because I feel like she is speaking for so many coaches. She's definitely speaking for me as a beginning coach. And I still struggle with some of these things. I mean, ongoing, we're always growing, like she said. So I really hope that you got some tools out of this that you can use and, you know, a kind of a thought process or an approach that you can use to address some of the behaviors that you're seeing at your school and some of the teachers who are maybe struggling to figure out what they can do differently. If you're ready to learn more about this topic, I have a few episodes that I want to share with you. Of course, this whole month has been all about behavior and, and classroom management support for coaches and teachers. So you can go back to the last several episodes, starting with episode 127, and listen in on some of the, um, the things that we've talked about that can be really helpful to you as you're working with teachers on classroom management. So 127, episode 127, was that anti-racist behavior management interview that I did with Deanna Smith. So definitely check that out. In episode 19, we talk about coaching classroom management with Haley O'Connor. Episode 75 is about, is a coaching call and it's about coaching new teachers. And so just like we just talked about, sometimes new teachers have very specific needs in terms of classroom management. So that's a really great place to go if you're working with new teachers. In episode 91, I chat again with my friend Haley O'Connor about SEL. So that's SEL for students, for teachers, for coaches, everybody. And in episode 123, we talked about analyzing behavior data to support coaching cycles. So this was kind of like more of like a school-wide approach. How are we going to address these needs that we're seeing across the school? But in episode 123, we talk about how to use behavior data to really fuel your coaching cycles and help you work with teachers on those specific areas of need. There is a free download for you. And it's a really good one because it, it actually spells out the behavior management plan that I just shared with Brandy whenever I told her that I would go into classrooms and introduce the expectations and talk about how I was going to notice when kids did them and give them team points. That is a free download you can grab and it's classroom management for coaches. It includes the details on how to use that simple behavior plan when you're coaching in a classroom and how you can share it with teachers as well. You can get that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 128. And you just scroll to the bottom of the post and there's a little place for you to enter your email address and it'll be sent to your email. Next week is the episode that I talked about. It's the last episode in the season, which is shocking to me that I am finishing season three of Buzzing with the Coaching Podcast. Did not even envision how this was gonna go, but it's been great. I am sharing next week this simple classroom management approach that you can use when you model or co-teach in classrooms where you see challenging behavior. So many times I've been asked to coach in classrooms that just had no discernible behavior plan, aside from maybe yelling or consequences or punishments. And so it was really stressful and it made me want to avoid those classrooms, like I honestly told Brandy. But I also knew those classrooms needed help even more than other rooms. So I had to figure out a plan that would work. I cannot wait to share it with you next week. I'm going to give you all the details. It's in the free download, but the podcast is another way to learn all about it. And until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.